0: And then verse 12 and 13 says that you and I were not born out of the will or the natural lust or desire of man, but we were born out of the will of God. And if there is ever a battle today, I believe there's a battle in the area of identity, and it's always been the battle. I believe it was the battle in the Garden of Eden. I believe it was the battle when Jesus was baptized and was filled with the Holy Spirit and went into the wilderness to be tempted to the enemy. The enemy went and fought him about his identity. The devil wants to come, and he wants to fight the identity. But each and every one of us and each and every one of you and these children are so unique. They're one of a kind that God called them and formed them as we have seen time and time again. And we will see once again that God knew them even before He formed them in their mother's womb. And we saw these children today. And so many times we compare ourselves to others or compare or we feel compared or we feel like our life does not match up to other people. But, you know, some of these children, many of them, I have folders in my office and at home. I have pictures that my children, my own boys, made me. You know, I don't know why I'm doing this. Y'all just look the other way. Look over there. (laughs) Made me these pictures and I still have them. These children here, I have folders of their pictures. And you can give me a rim rant or whatever it's called and Give me one of these famous people's paintings. And some people have the originals and they're beautiful and it's great to have that. But, you know, those famous paintings aren't any better than those pictures of those children. Those pictures are just as beautiful and just as loved as any. I got, somebody gave me three pictures of a famous, famous painter and I got the certificate of their originals and everything else. But there's nothing like those... Those paintings of those children that they've made out of their love and their heart. The lines the lines may not be straight. The colors may not be the right colors. Things may not just be right, but they're just as perfect as any other painting, so are you. You're just as perfect and as much wonderful and beautiful in the eyes of God as anybody else on this earth. And I pray that if the Holy Spirit could put God's you know there was a song they used to sing about these rose-colored glasses. Y'all, some of y'all ain't old enough to remember Johnny Paycheck, but I think that's who sang it. Maybe not. I don't know. But when you put, if we could put on God's glasses, and if we could see ourselves through God's eyes, then I think it would stop a lot of this victim mentality. Because so many times you hear people say, "My wife drove me to drinking." The truth is she didn't drive you to nothing you chose to drink because of the pain. So many people say my husband drove me to doing this and that and the other. Your husband couldn't drive you nobody can cannot make you what you don't allow yourself to do. And it's the same thing with Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, loser, and whatever his name may be. Devil and the devils and demons of hell cannot make you do what you don't choose to do, because you are a son and a child of the Most High God. And when the devil tries to say that you're a loser, and the devil tries to say you can't make it, and the devil tries to say you'll never overcome, the devil cannot, well, you know, the devil just made me do it. That is a bunch of junk. And about, you know, well, they drove me away from home. You know, a lot of people, we, when we stop making excuses of who drove me here, who did this to me, and who made me do that, and we start saying, you know, that stops today. Nobody's made me do anything that I didn't allow myself to do. And God has made me unique, and He's created me His image That there's no sense in me accepting anything less that I am a son and I'm chosen and I'm born by the will of God. And no matter what someone else has said or made me believe, I'm here for a purpose and I'm here according to the Word of God. The will of God is the word pleasure of God. You are here for the pleasure of God. And while the enemy would try to tell you that you will not be able to do, you're not capable of doing. I love what one of the presidents said. He says, most people don't have hope. They don't have dreams. A lot of people say there's no heroes today. He says, I just wish you would look a little harder and you find out there are heroes. Anywhere you look, there are heroes. There's heroes today. We have this couple here. They were, Katrina wiped them out in New Orleans, Slidell. Now they, St. Bernard. Bernard. And here they are in Alexandria, started business a year ago. And I tell you what, they got some of the best pizzas and stuff you'll ever eat, man. It would addict you. We went the other night. But you got people here. You got little Elizabeth. And we've got children in these nurseries. There's our kids you saw today. The doctor said abort them because they'll never be normal. Oh, the devil is a liar. They don't live a normal life.
1: They're living a normal life.
0: And you know, this United States is getting to the point that it's really not money that makes you anymore because everybody with money, they're crazy. They're, I mean, are, not everybody, but a lot of people with money on TV, they're crazy, they don't know what to do. Fame, fortune, a lot of these things that people think are so used to think that are so important, they're starting to realize nothing of these things give me happiness, and they just go deeper and deeper into things that just hurt and drive them crazy and drive them into the things of this world. But when you we the church come to realize that we are here for the purpose and the pleasure of God, and that there's no one's opinion and no one can make me choose to do what I don't want to do. And even though I may not match up in some areas as other people, they don't match up in all the areas that I do. There's been over 7 billion people who walk the face of this earth. But none of them have your fingerprint. None of them have your identity. None of them have your same DNA. That makes you special. That makes you one of a kind. You know, I remember when I was a kid, and many of you remember that when you go to play baseball, usually the best players are the ones who own the bat and the ball. They would be the captains. And they would pick and choose all the best players first. And guess who they fought over the most? Over the one that nobody wanted. And, you know the captains. You know it seemed like they had it all together. They had, they were the great sportsmen. They had the bat and the ball. They were playing their game, and then it came to the loser, and it just seemed like this little fella. You know he might be too big. He may be too small. He may be, he may not be able to hit or nothing. And they go, no, you take him. No, you take him. No, you take him. Then whoever takes him, they put him way out there in the ball field somewhere where they know the ball's not going to go because he can't play anyway. But you know even the one who might have been the captain of the team. He might have went home, and most of the time, I know a lot of them, they would go home. And their dad might, would. It, all their relationship is built upon, well, did you make any home runs today? How good were you? But when it came to a conversation of the heart, most usually, there wouldn't be no deep conversation of the heart. It was all about what you did or what you could do, not who you are. And then the loser might would go home, and he'd have nobody to wait for him and nobody to brag on him or ask him how he went. So it doesn't matter whether you seem like you got it all together or you seem like you, nothing's working for you. Everybody's got their issues, and everybody's got their issues to overcome. Those who seem to have the best childhood and those who didn't. Abraham Lincoln, his mother, di- didn't know her father. He was Ill- she was illegitimate. Uh, her-, her dad was a farmer down the road, and she didn't have her natural dad. And Abraham Lincoln said, out of all my brothers and sisters, I believe that I came out like her, because I believe by her not having a father made my mother who she was, and my mother made me who I am. And life gives you some rough times and you go through some issues in the life. But I know too many of you to know that the things you've gone through and the things you have faced has made you the wonderful person that you are. And what you've got to do is you've got to see how wise you really are. You say, I don't know much. You know more than you give yourself credit for. God wants to build something, establish something in you, because what America needs today is they need to see the truth. I was so proud of, brother, Pastor John Hagee, who got on CNN, and he did such an awesome job, and he just spoke the Word. He spoke straight. He wasn't intimidated, and he stayed with it. I tell you, that's how the church needs to be today, that we're not wishy-washy with whoever we're with, or, well, this person, you know, just makes me feel like I'm worthless. You know what? You just need to choose who to hang around. Hang around people who are not going to make you feel worthless. You need to choose that you're going to hang around with people who are going to make you feel... And mostly,
1: you need to hang around the Lord Jesus Christ and just be filled with the Holy Spirit and let Him give you the identity He desires for you to have. And that matter doesn't matter who you're around or what someone may tell you, you know in whom you believe in that He is able to keep that uh, for you until that day. Can I hear an amen? Now, I want you to look with
0: me quickly as we go through this in Psalms 139. Psalms 139. I just want to touch these scriptures. I'm going to try to finish with this so we get on to other points in the future. Next week, Psalms 139, but how many of you know the devil is not going to have your identity? Amen. 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 And if you're hurt, he's here to heal the brokenhearted. If you're blind to who you really are and your capability and your talents and what you're able to do, he's able to open your eyes. And what the world needs to see today is the true church, the real church. That I may be human, I may have my era, areas in my life that are not perfect, but I got the heart of a line. I got the heart of Jesus. Amen. Psalms 139, verse 13. This is the Living Bible. It says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, you made them, Lord. And knit them together in my mother's womb. You get the tape four weeks ago when I talked about how wonderful and put together we are, our bodies are. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. I'm mean, going to know you've got to know it. You've got to know it. Verse 15, you were there when I was formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and secluded each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turns towards me. Oh, my. People say, you know, nobody's considering me. David said, it's not about nobody. It's about Jehovah. His thoughts are continually going towards me. Wherever you are in your life, whatever situation you may be going through, His thoughts are continually going towards you. Look with me in Isaiah 49. Some scriptures we've read a number of times. I just want to go over them right quick. Isaiah 49, verse 1. I'll continue in the Living Bible here. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. You see, great faith is going to grow in those who know who they are in Christ Jesus. Great faith is growing and working of miracles and courage is part of he who knows that God created him and called him to be something special on this earth, that you are not an accident. You're not an accident from some man or an unplanned thing from some parent, but no, you are here for a purpose of God. In Psalms forty nine, I'm sorry, Isaiah forty nine verse one. The Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, He called me by my name. How many of that makes you important? Verse 5, And now said the Lord, The Lord who formed me from my mother's womb to serve Him, who commissioned me to restore to Him His people Israel, who has given me strength to perform this task and honored me for doing it. You shall do more, verse 6 says. I love that. Verse 7, The Lord, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says, The one who is despised, rejected by mankind, and kept beneath the heel of earthly rulers, kings shall stand in attention when you pass by. Princes shall bow low, because the Lord has chosen you. He, the faithful Lord, somebody say faithful Lord. The Holy One of Israel chooses you. Verse 14, we talked on this last week. Yet they say, My Lord deserted us. He has forgotten us. Verse 15, never can a mother forget her little child and not have love for her own son? Yet even if this should be true, I will not forget you. See, I have tattooed or engraved your name upon my palm. And ever and ever before me is a picture of Jerusalem's walls and ruins. And then chapter 50, verse 7. Because the Lord helps me, I will not be dismayed. Say that I will not be dismayed. You see, there's so many things that come and they try to discourage you. And they try to tell you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to win. You're not going to overcome. It says, don't be dismayed. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint to do His will. And I know, somebody shout out, I know. Shout it out, I know. That I will triumph. Say it. That I will triumph. I know it. Look at your neighbor and say, I know it. I know you're going to triumph. Hallelujah. Amen. Now look, Jeremiah chapter 1. We're close. Look right there, Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Sister Need always read this to me. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. This is the Living Bible continuing. The Lord said to me, How many know this is God speaking? We've been reading here already. God is speaking something to us. And God is speaking something into your heart that's about to come alive and run. The Lord said to me, I knew you before you were formed within your mother's womb. Before you were born, I sanctified you and appointed you, yes, each and every one of you here in Word of Grace, as my spokesman to the world. I want to tell you something. How many of you have ever heard of Winston Churchill? Do you know that he failed graves? Do you know he was called, he was said that he couldn't pass test? Do you know he had a lisp and he was a stutterer? His dad was a great spokesman, and he was intimidated because his dad was so great, but he was such a stutter, and he had a list, and he failed some grades, and he couldn't pass certain tests. But yet, how many of you know that at age 60, he made his first speech? And when he, after that first speech, his speeches started going over the Free uh, Europe uh, free Freedom uh, tele, uh, uh, radio station, and he started talking England. Even when they were down in the bunkers and on the ground and the bombs from Nazi Germany were falling, he was talking them
1: through saying, as long as there are hope, there will be. England. And here's this man who stuttered. He had a list. He failed at school. He didn't seem like he was going to be successful in any way. But just like Moses, God used his voice, the weakest part of his body, of his soul, of his being. God used the weakest part to make one of the strongest men who made some of the most confident, courageous statements that's ever been recorded by man. God just wants us to know. How many of you know penicillin is made out of moldy bread? But it saves lives. I mean, God wants to bring the church to a new level. That you are my creation. I created you for my pleasure and my glory. And we were redeemed by the spotless, precious blood of Jesus Christ. And yet the things that are going around in this world and the things that attack the young people and the children and cause the suicide rate to go up, the drug rate to go up, the adulterous rate to go up, the divorce rate to go up, many times it's because the enemy has tried to come to this nation and true identity is. That true identity is not what someone tells you you do not have. Your true identity is for the purpose, the glory, the pleasure. You were created for the glory of God. You've got to get a hold of that and see it. That
0: if God can take something moldy and make something that saves lives, you're a lifesaver and you don't even see it yet. You say, what am I my purpose here on this earth? I'm always needing somebody to encourage me. But I tell you, I think of some people in this church already been delivered of suicide. Because they were thrown a lifesaver from somebody, so now they are here to save lives. And when you would talk to them and when you minister to them many times, they saw that there was no hope at all and they may as well finish it. But they are here still, they are still here today. And I'm expecting some of the greatest volumes of the church to be written about them saving lives. Amen, church. See, the devil's just trying to say, you'll never do nothing, you'll never accomplish nothing. It's nothing but a lie because over and over we've already read, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. And when you were being knitted together, I was right there and I knew you by your name and I was writing about you in a book. There's books written about you even before you were born. Even before this baby that was born just a few days ago. Even in his mother's womb. The will of God and the purpose and the plan of God for that young man. His name was already known to God. Book was already written about him. The purpose and the plan was already planned for him. That he's got a purpose in this life. He's not here to wonder, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? But the creator of the universe is His creator. And you and I are the creations of God in the image of Christ Jesus. Amen, church. It says, oh Lord, I said, I can't do that. I'm I'm too young. I'm only a youth. Always excuses that we can't. And the Lord replied, don't say that. For you will go wherever I send you and speak whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I, the Lord, will be with you, and I will see you through. And he touched my mouth and said, See, I've put my words in your mouth. Today your work begins to warn the nations, the kingdoms of the world. And according with my words spoken through your mouth, I will tear down some and destroy them and plant others and nurture them and make them strong and great. Verse 17. Get up and dress. I believe that's what guys want to tell some of you today. Get up and dress. Put your hope back on. Put your self-respect back on. Get yourself together and tell them whatever I tell you because I've ordained you, I've called you. Don't be afraid of them or else I will make a fool of you in front of them. How many of you know it's best to go with God? For see today I have made you impervious. To their attacks. You cannot, they cannot harm you. You are strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured. That's you. And like iron pillar and heavy gates of brass and the kings of Judah, its officers, its priests and people will not be able to prevail against you. They will try, but they will fail for I am with you, says the Lord to deliver you. How many can claim the father as your deliverer today? Amen. Amen. Some man once said that the barriers to your success are man-made. And most often, the man who made the barriers to your success was you, the man. You're the man. You're the woman who built barriers to your own success. How many ever heard of Pete Gray? He was back in the World War II uh, time, and he tried to join the Army. Six years old, his arm was cut off, and his dream was to be uh, a baseball uh, star. And his dad says, Well, son, you've only got one arm. I don't want to discourage you, but you'll never play baseball. Why don't you try to play tennis or bowling? But that young man had in his heart. Pete had it in his heart back in the 40s that he wanted to play professional baseball, and he just had one arm. I showed you pictures of a wrestler who made the champion championship with no legs and no arms, but yet he made the state championship, can bench press 410 pounds, and do 23 uh, butterflies with over 200 and something pounds Why? Heart and determination. He says, I'm not going to live according to what I don't have. I'm going to live by according by what I have. And Pete wanted to be a baseball player, and he went in the field where nobody could see him. And with his one arm, he'd throw up a rock and hit it with a broomstick, throw up a nut, whatever he could find, and hit it. And he practiced, and he practiced, and his practiced. And nobody said he could ever do it. Then with one arm, with his glove, he knew he had to learn how to catch. He was able to catch that ball. There's even a movie about him, and he could put that glove with that ball under the part of the arm he did have, and then take the ball out and throw it. And he could catch, and he could throw just as fast as a man with two arms. He made it to the leagues and he batted over 310. Why? He had a heart because he wanted to win. There's no more time. Listen, look at you and say, no more excuses. No more excuses. It's up to you. You choose. But the open door for you to be successful is all over the place. The open door for you to better reach out to people and be an example for the glory and the praise of Jesus Christ is all over. All you've got to do is you've got to believe that God has a purpose and His Spirit is within you to make you wiser. And you've got to get determined and you've got to get hungry. Say hungry. hungry. Blessed are they that hunger for they shall be filled. You've just got to get hunger and hunger builds passion. And you've got to decide. I may be going through a wall right now, but I'm going to break this wall. I'm going to run through it and I'm going to get over on the other side. I'm going to run faster than I've ever ran before. Amen. We read about so many different people. Thomas Edison's teacher said he was stupid. They used that word. He was stupid. He daydreamed and he was of no significance. How many know they were definitely wrong? Clint Lewis from Utah. He's a high school coach. His wrestling team, another wrestler, his wrestling team made it to the state, stamp, state championships. And he was a state champion himself. But the interesting thing about Clint is that he's blind. And he's the coach of the team that one state and he was the state champion because he even though he was blind he was determined i'm not going to let my blindness stop me there's a man he was born blind and they put him in a room that was nine by twelve he felt like his life was over and he wasn't going to do anything with his life but then one day he started saying you know if i just stay here i'm going to die what i'm going to do is i'm going to learn to walk to the mailbox And one day he walked 50 feet to the mailbox and he checked his own mail, went back to his little room, nine by 12. And he says, this is a start. If I can walk to the mailbox, I can start and I can keep going. That man ended up writing over 300 books. He's a professional speaker today. He's a born again believer. And he says, this is my message. I thought my natural blindness was the ending to my life. But even though I was naturally blind, I was able to see with my heart. What's worse than my blindness is the second type of blindness is when you can see, but you determine not to see and you stay put where you are. Hello, church. Amen, church. I'm not trying to do some professional speaking here. I'm trying to tell you that you are somebody special who was born and created out the image of God and that we cannot
1: just settle for wherever we are. They can make all the jokes they want to out of Pineville. They can say that Pineville is a place where they send all the crazy people. Well, what I've got to say is I know a lot of crazy people about that's crazy about God, but I know a lot of people who are sane, who are victorious, who are more than conquerors, who are champions, and I know that the whole this whole area is being changed and transformed. And this place that people used to say that's where we want to send the crazy people. It's amazing how many
0: big businesses have moved in. I guess Procter and Gramble's crazy too. I guess the train place is crazy too. Uh uh-uh. uh. We don't have to live according to what people brand us for being. We can say they're building a loop around Pineville. More businesses are coming in this area. We got now have twenty two restaurants within a half a mile of our church. We're on a main highway. We got all these children, all these things, and I was told from the very beginning, it'll never last, it'll never work. How I many of you if I would have listened to that man who came hit my desk and said, You'll never last here, if I would have listened to him, we wouldn't be here. Don't listen to what people say. You listen to what the Word and the Spirit of God says. Come on, church. Come on, church. Amen, church. That's what you've got to do. Amen. 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 I remember when we first got married, there was this song Wayne Watson used to do. How many remember about the touch of the master's hand? About the old violin? Huh, you remember that from me all young enough to remember that? The old violin, he got up there, he got that old shaggy violin, he says. The auctioneer went, Who give me a dollar? Two dollars? Three dollars? Nobody raised their hand. Going once, going twice, who give me four dollars? All of a sudden, this elderly man came up, grabbed the violin, tuned it up, started playing a song. Then he said, Who give me 100? Who give me 200? Who give me 300? Why? He took an old raggedy violin that he was asking a dollar for ended up selling it for I don't know how much why the touch of the master's hand how many of you know we might have been a chunk of clay but God's making something wonderful out of that chunk of clay for his glory amen you might have heard of Dennis Bird He, he was the uh uh quarterback on a New York Jets defender. Well, he was a New York, New York Jets defender. He was playing and got, fell flat on his back, broke his... Didn't know what happened. He thought he'd get up like he would usually do. Heard some noise. They put, brought him out on a stretcher and he had broke his neck and found out that he was paralyzed from the waist down. How many know? A lot of times you're told things and even professional people can tell you there's no hope for you. But during the next few months, Dennis had to fight physically, mentally, and spiritually. And he had to believe that he would walk again. Dennis's body functions began to improve, and what the medical staff told him was an amazing rate. His muscular strength had control, got better every day, and soon he could walk around without limping and bench press over 100 pounds and lift 250, feet, uh, 250 pounds with his feet. He said, knowing God is with me even when I'm down helps me know He can make me whole. I am aware of the presence of God undergirding me and giving me the power to bounce back. His favorite scripture, Joshua 1.5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Amen. Stovall, who was that blind coach, says, I may have lost my sight, but in the aftermath, I gained a greater victory than I've ever had before. I choose not to let blindness quench my ambition, or the pursuit of my personal destiny, I have lost my sight, but I have gained greater vision than I ever had before. God wants to give you greater vision than ever before. You know what happens so many people many times? They see all the problems, but they don't see the possibilities. That's what's wrecking marriages. They see all the problems, but they don't see the possibilities. That's what's wrecking churches. They see all the problems, but they don't see all the possibilities. Every problem is a potential for a possibility of something greater than how it was before. Every time we work something that was weak, every time we we invest into something that seems like it won't work, we're building something that will last and something that will be greater than ever before. Look with me if you don't mind in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm trying to hurry here. Somebody said don't hurry. Who said that? Oh, there you go. There you go. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Well, my watch broke on the way up here. I figured God was saying something. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because I'm here because I believe in you. Because God told me He believes in you. And God has plans for you. And the children who are not here, God has plans for them. And the children who are backslidden and the people and the young people who are backslidden, God has plans for them. And everyone that you're believing God for, God has great plans for them. And everyone that has been rebellious and bucking against the call of God, God has great plans for them. And everyone who was not able to sleep last night and everyone who is miserable,
1: God has great plans for you. And everyone who seems to be on the urge of losing everything they have, God has greater plans for you. And whatever the difficulty and problems you've been looking at, and what the devil has been telling you. God speaks of the truth, and He's got greater plans. I'm telling you, I didn't have time to show it. We, we're, this wall comes out, and we got four more phases to go. Buildings left to build. Things to do. Nations to go to. Why? Because God has greater plans than I do. The things my eyes cannot see, the things my ears have not heard, the things that I have not been able to imagine, are the things that God has prepared for us. And where shall be a fulfillment of that God has called us to do. But listen,
0: you can listen, you can surround yourself, and it's amazing how depressed people get around depressed people. Because if I get around somebody who feels good, they make me feel every, even lower. You've got to quit looking that way. Jesus ever had a low day? No, He lifts you up. People who like to be mad like to get around mad people and just talk about the president, the government, and whoever else passes by their way. Like spirits attract. But it's time to walk in the spirit of the King of kings and the Lord of lords who created you for His glory. And it's time to walk among the high. It's time to meditate and think on a whole different level and know that God is calling you to come up higher. But look at Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God... To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And how many times we hear that Scriptures quoted as spiritual warfare, or praying or interceding on someone else's behalf. But you know what some of the worst imaginations are? It's not the imaginations that we are praying for people to change. Many times we're the ones who have the imaginations on the inside of us that needs to be torn down you hear me? Listen, that word imagination is the word logismos in Greek. And it means purposes. Maybe the wrong purposes have been put inside of us. Thoughts. Listen to this. Purposes and thoughts that are still in the mind. Spirit, God wants to set you free today from any purposes or thoughts that have been still in your mind that you'll never see better days. He'll never change. She'll never grow up. She'll never leave that behind. She'll never quit that. Those are imaginations the Bible says. You tear them down. Do you hear me, church? You tear them down. That word logismos, imagination, means calculations. Well, the way I calculate it, well, don't calculate it. Let God say what it is. Imagination means considerations, reflections. And conducts. And some of the strongest imaginations and strongholds that exist are the ones that we have inside of us. Strongholds of fear. Strongholds of inferior. Strongholds of not feeling adequate enough. All the mistakes. All the failures. All the pains. All the problems. But listen, how many of you know you got to have the attitude, anything can be broken, but anything broken can be fixed? You hear me, church? Ask Brother James. That man can do anything. I've seen him work time and time again. Anything that's broken can be fixed. And anything in your life today that's broken, God can fix it. In your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, your emotions, the imaginations, the, the, the contradictions of what God has for you, it can be broken in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? There was a story, and you know, you, you read these newspapers clippings that a jail, a, a sheriff built a jail. The town needed a jail, so he built a jail. But he ended up being the first one arrested and put in his own jail. How I many know? Sometimes we're the ones who lock ourselves in, and just like Otis, the key's right there, and we can let ourselves out. But we just enjoy just just being nothing for a while and just laying there and saying, "Well, there's no use in getting out because if I get out, I'll just go and do the same thing I've always done." And that's the problem with the church. We wonder, what's wrong with the testimony of the church? It's because we leave the church and we go out and we always do things the way we've always done them. But today, God wants to renew the spirit that we do leave here, but we leave here to do things God's way, not my way.
1: Yeah.
0: That He puts those thoughts and, and those plans within our hearts. Amen? You choose many times to be your own judge and your own jury. You sentence yourself to a life of poverty, mediocrity, and being a The waves of the storm that sunk them, champions are building a new ship. Can I hear an amen? Look at you and say, I'm building a new ship. I'm getting out of here. Now listen, what I can't understand sometimes, the Bible does say that many times the people in the world have greater wisdom than those of the church. But thank God that's not you, amen? But you know, I was reading President Reagan's address when he went to the Berlin Wall. And it's amazing, he was a born-again believer and he believed in the Spirit of God, but it's amazing how many times a man can be stronger in his confidence and his courage than a born-again believer who's in the Word every day. He went to that Berlin Wall and he walked over there and he says, I see the wires, I see the the towers, I, I see all that this country is behind this wall, but he says, Mr. Gorbachev, I'm speaking to you, Mr. Gorbachev. If you know what's best for you, because we will stand against you with any armor armory that we have to use, we are ready and we will use it against you. I mean, that's how many know that's how the Christian needs to think? Devil, you've been lying to me long enough. You've been putting me down long enough. I've been feeling like I'm the tail long enough, but I've got all the weapons of God for my warfare to win a victory. There, There's Reagan standing at that wall saying, Mr.
1: Gorbachev, we will resist you, and the longer you resist us, we will resist you back, and we got the weapons that we need to break this down. Mr. Gorbachev, if you want to see prosperity, if you want to see freedom, you need to come, and you, sir, need to tear down this wall. Well, I'm telling you today, just like Reagan told Gorbachev... But how many know that wall came down? Well, I'm telling you today, whatever wall, whoever built in your mind, in your heart, in your imagination, whatever wall they built or you yourself built about yourself, you need to say, Wall, you are coming down today. You are not going to hold me back and behind and believing those things of the past anymore. I love when he said this. Mr. Gorbachev,
0: for it, these walls... Listen to what he said. These walls cannot withstand faith. These walls cannot withstand truth. And these walls cannot withstand freedom. Now, that's a president. And he said, everybody who demonstrated against me, you're just telling me you want to stay like you are. But I'm talking to those. This is what Reagan was doing. Go Reagan. I'm talking to those that like Reagan was a young man wrote on this wall in Berlin, in German, that this wall has to come down. He says, I'm talking to those. I don't care what nuclear weapons you say you have and how big your army you say you have. These walls cannot withstand faith. Say "faith." faith. These walls cannot withstand truth. Say truth. These walls cannot withstand freedom. Say freedom. And that's what God, the Holy Spirit, is wanting to put into your heart today that whatever walls and circumstances are holding you down, I don't care how bad it hurts, I don't know how long it's been there, but in the name of Jesus Christ, those walls that have held you in, that has put you down, that has clobbered you and made you feel inadequate and of no value, of no worth, and just said you're nothing but an unworthy worm, I want you to know today the
1: truth sets you free. And faith is the evidence of things not seen but hoped for. And I want to tell you that there is freedom in Christ Jesus. And no matter what walls have been trying to hold you in, and holds you back or your family. You've got to speak unto those walls like Mark 11, 23 says to speak unto the mountains. That mountains and walls, you cannot resist faith, you cannot resist truth, and you cannot resist freedom. Because it says that if I believe in my heart, 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 that these walls and these mountains have no right to stand before me, a son, a king, a priest, a daughter, or the most, my God, I say unto this mountain, I say to you mountain, I say to you walls, I am going to resist you with the armory of the Almighty God, and you are going to have to come down in Jesus' name. Give the Lord praise. Give the Lord praise. Let me
0: bring this to one conclusion. Learned this from Brother DeWeese. One conclusion. My friend Kyle, that armless, legless wrestler, said, Whenever I faced adversity, I've used the challenge as motivation to win through it, no matter what the cost. When I meet with failure, I pick myself up, dust off the dirt from the fall, and focus on trying again. You can't let failure beat you or give in to the temptation to take the easy way out. The world's greatest accomplishments aren't achieved on the first try. You hear me, church? So these are the points. Number one, you want to break the walls? Number one, stop blaming others. I may be in a setback, but I'm going to have my comeback. And I'm not going to blame others. I'm not blaming. I've been blaming my mama for 54 years. Stop it. I've been blaming my ex-boss for 25 years. Stop it. Stop blaming others. Say, I am here by the will and the purpose and the pleasure of God, and I am not holding back because of these things that I see or that I've heard. Stop blaming others. Number two, get around the Word and stay motivated and built up in the Holy Spirit. Romans 16.10 Paul says, salute a pellist approved in Christ. Stay around people who are approved in Christ. Stay around people with good track records and listen to them and pull upon their wisdom. This man was approved in Christ. How many know that means something for Paul to say that? Number three, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to get in church. You're going to have to get in the Word of God. You're going to have to listen to tapes. You're going to have to worship God. But you're going to have to study to show yourself approved and get the wisdom and the knowledge you need to break down those walls. Amen? Amen. Number four, learn how to overcome great odds and learn how to achieve great goals. The next one, overcome your limitations and do not let fear hold you back. Amen. I mean, you, know, you got to unmask those things that are trying to hold you back. How I many you know you can conquer anything. You know, I don't have a big story. My, my story is not known. But, you know, when I was in sixth grade, well, when I was in fifth and sixth grade, I had a real bad ingrown toenail. I know you don't want to hear about my toenail. But I'm going to finish with this. And my mom and dad didn't believe in doctors. So I just had this big old thing that would just people step on in school and it would just bust like a tick. And I suffered with this thing. But you know what? I wanted to play kickball. And I had this big old thing on my toe, and I was right-handed. But I couldn't stand at the bus stop. Everybody in PE, everybody's playing kickball, but I can't. So you know what? I started learning how to kick with my left hand. And I didn't do my left foot, not my left hand. I cheated. I started learning. Yeah, this is just a simple example. But I started learning how to kick with my left foot. I was right-handed, but I couldn't use my right foot. So I started using my left foot, and the more I used it, the better coordinated I got, the stronger my left leg got, and guess what? I didn't know there were some recompenses of that, because I started getting my left leg stronger, my left arm started getting stronger, and when the guys at school wanted to start arm wrestling, I say anybody can also, I would say anybody can wrestle right handed. Let's wrestle left handed. <laughs> and what they didn't know, my left hand had started growing stronger. Because of my left foot. I could have just sat down. I can't play. But I played. And I had fun. Because I didn't let one handicap stop me from developing my way out. You hear me, church? You can get out of it. You can get out of it. And you've got to stay hungry for the things of God. Hallelujah. Let's stand upon our feet. Did you get something out of this this morning? Amen. Are you a winner?